Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. So much of what we hear about in contemporary Christianity puts Jesus as something else other than Lord. And Lord is the only thing he can be, should be, and he most definitely will be. I want to talk to you this morning uh, about they beheld his glory. And uh, I teased the people doing the hymn saying, I said, now, um, if you go real long, you know, they may not be able to, they're going to sing and we're going to have another hymn at the end. And I said, if you go real long, you may not have much time to figure that out. Um, So they gave me lots of time. Because I told them I couldn't do this in three minutes. So, I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you some scriptures, and um, I, we'll read some of them, and others we will not, because I think they're familiar um, to you. Um, so, I'll begin by just mentioning this scripture. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, talks about those angels appearing to the shepherds. And uh, it says, the glory of the Lord was round about them. Um, there's probably more than one sermon that could be preached just on the glory of the Lord. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says his name will be called Emmanuel. And um, it's actually from Isaiah seven fourteen. Matthew's quoting it, Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. If you remember when, um, back back through history, that mountain where God was and, and gave the law, that lightnings and thunders came and the people were afraid of it. As a matter of fact, a man touched it and died. And uh, uh, that, that when Moses came down from seeing God, his face glowed. Why? Because of God's glory. I, I, I sure that you know. There's a special word, and a Hebrew word, and we hear it, and everybody ascribes meanings to it. And I'm not sure that any of us in this human realm can actually understand it. It's so it was so strong that when they dedicated the temple, and God's presence came, they had to back away because it was so strong. And when Jesus appeared in his glory with Moses and Elijah. The, the three disciples who were there actually can't dis, couldn't describe what happened. They said his garment became whiter, whiter than any laundry person could make it. <laughs> so it, 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 it's past description. The glory of the Lord. Matthew, uh, let me give you just a little bit more of this, and it's going to kind of be a, a big thing here today, but well, hopefully we'll go through this quickly. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, talks about Bethlehem and where he would be born. That's the verse that the, the scribes and the Pharisees went to, or the, the Pharisees went to, to the priests perhaps, to tell Herod where Jesus would come from. He'd be, in, be born in Bethlehem, and it says that... Out of Bethlehem would come the one from old who would be what? The ancient of days. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, among other things, calls this Messiah the everlasting Father. 
Interesting. And then let me get to my text. So I'll, I'll read this one. John chapter 1, verse 14. I just kind of put all this perhaps in context. Now remember, John wrote this after not only after Jesus' ministry and his death and his resurrection, but he wrote it after his ascension. And again, that's another aspect of this we don't often stop to think about. If you know, you read the story, what, what Luke wrote, they were standing there, Jesus was talking to them, and he was, he was lifted into heaven, into, into clouds. And, and as we mentioned earlier about glory and not understanding it, sometimes those clouds are referred to uh, as glory. So Jesus dis- disappeared. John wrote this after all of that. John wrote this after watching Jesus raise the dead, make eyes from a man out of for a man out of mud, heal lepers, walk on water. John wrote this after seeing Jesus crucified, and then after him and seeing him alive after that, and then of course the ascension. John chapter one, verse fourteen. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we, we, we come this Christmas time and we, we think about the little one and um, there's, there, there's so much mysticism and, and I'll even go further. There's myth and there's superstition wrapped around the baby and all of the things that happened and is, and is as if the stories in Scripture, the, the narrative of what actually happened wasn't dramatic enough. There are things that have been created and made up to make the whole thing seem even more fantastical. It's fantastical enough that God would put on flesh and be among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Remember, in the Old Testament, to get in God's presence, they went to a place. They, they went, Jacob, I don't know if you remember this, Jacob had a dream and he saw angels ascending and descending. Actually, descending and ascending. So he saw that and he, and, and he named this place Bethel, which means house of God. He said, I've, you know, I've seen God here. And in the Old Testament, once they got, the, got this, the, the system in place, that entire legal system that was a worship system and, and a civil system that they could live, and all of it together, pointing to the Messiah who would come. And when they got that in place, they had, they had to go to a specific place and they could act to, to be in God's presence. And they could only actually really enter his presence once a year. And they had to come in there with what? Blood. And now all of a sudden, we'll talk about that here in a second. Now all of a sudden we have this access, God is with us. And, and we no longer have to go to him, he's with us. We beheld his glory. Now, let me give you some, some words here, if, if some of you who like to write things down. Let me give you the win. First Peter chapter 1. Some of these scriptures, I'm going to have to look them up. I've got about 40 scriptures here, and I can't remember them all. It's, it's true. 
I do. I have about 40 here. I actually also can't find First Peter. There it is. All right. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 18. Um, I'm jumping into the middle of the paragraph here, but I think you'll get the point. It says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We'll talk more about that concept in a minute, about the ransom and redemption. It says in verse uh, 20, He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So, you know, when? Before the foundation of the world. This was, this was it, it didn't begin at Bethlehem. It, it began before there was any world, before there were any sinners. God knew that a Redeemer was going to be necessary. And he prepared his son prepared to come in his son. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. One of the greatest and most obscure Christmas verses you'll find. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So then you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In the fullness of time, when, when, when when the time got right, He appeared. You kind of get that. Uh, it says made manifest in First Peter. You get that idea. Appear, you know, to to be made visible, and that's the idea behind the word that churches use called Advent, that we can, we can see Him. Uh, it's a plan from eternity past to redeem the lost and the helpless. Let me go back to John for chapter 1 again and read to you verse 18. It says, No man has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Now, this is just a continuation. Let me read the whole passage. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This is of whom He said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made Him known. The He He's referring to there is Jesus. Jesus has shown us who God was. So when did this happen? It was a plan from all eternity to redeem the lost and helpless and and for God to show Himself to us through His Son, Jesus Now, let's just for a minute just kind of look at this incarnation concept and think about who he is. John chapter 1, I'm I'm still here so I'll turn to it, I'll read it 
kind of quickly here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there's a lot to unpack. We can't take time to do all of that this morning. But but notice who 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 was this incarnation? He was the Word, He was God, He was life, He was light, He was Creator. Nothing was made that He didn't make. So if everything made was made by Him, then He's unmade. John chapter 1, verse 29. This is, these are the words of John the Baptist. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he was the Lamb of God. Who was he? He was God, life, light, creator. He's the Lamb of God. Now keep that kind of thought in the back of your mind because that will come up Later, Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. I know there's a lot of scriptures here, and I'm going quickly for the sake of time. Verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins through Jesus we have redemption Hebrews chapter 9 so he's he's a redeemer and there's other verses for that and you'll see that pop up over and over again it's actually part of the christmas story that he would be the savior he would be the redeemer Hebrews 9 verse 11 but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come Then through the greater and more perfect tent, the one not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh... How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So he's a priest. So we look at this. He's he's God. He's life. He's light. He's creator. He's the Lamb of God. He's a redeemer. He's a priest. And he's a priest who offers himself his own blood in a tabernacle not made with hands. Or it says tent here, but in a tabernacle in that offering place that was not made with hands in the heavenly ones. So who was he? And again, there's a whole lot more that could be said about all this. But this is just one little snippet of it here that we're going to look at at Christmas time. Let me let me give you a how. So I gave you a when, I gave you a who. Let me give you a how, and the how's got a couple different parts to it. But we're going to go back to the book of Galatians. Chapter 3. I 
I'll, I'll read beginning with verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to all, come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. What's the blessing of Abraham? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So the whole concept here is that we walk by faith, that it's not by the things that we do, it's by what Jesus Christ did hanging on that cross. How did he, how did he accomplish this? How, how was he a savior? How was he a redeemer? He did it by becoming a curse for us. He took our sins on himself. Sinless as he was. He could. He was very God and he was very man. He was the perfect picture of that Old Testament kinsman redeemer. And so in that, in that way, he could take the sins of all mankind onto himself. And he became our curse. Now let me tell you just a couple more things here that he became. I want to go back to the, to the book of John chapter 3. And we kind of uh, alluded to this earlier, but here's, here's, Kind of a, a, a longer passage. Um, if I can find it. There it is. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I'm in John 3. I don't know if I told you that. By now you've probably figured that out. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things, who does wicked things, hates the light and has not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it can be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. He, He is the light, and the lost hate the light. And so, down through all of history, before and after, Jesus has become this line of demarcation for all the world. If you don't, if you don't have him, you're condemned already. John, later in one of his epistles, puts it this way, he who has the Son of God has life. He who has not the Son of God has not life. It's very simple. There's no either or. There's no gray area. Gray area. Jesus is that line. I'm going to skip ahead. John chapter five. Read verse twenty-two. So who is this little, you know, little baby born in in the cradle that we born in the born in the manger, born in a stable, <laughs> laid in a manger, 
that that we that we sing about and celebrate and we as i mentioned a couple of weeks ago we so often like to keep him a little baby and uh but he wasn't he didn't stay a little baby john chapter 5 verse 22 this is the same jesus oh that's 4 there we will find it Um, it says for the father judges no one but has given all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him truly truly I say to whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me as eternal life he does not come into judgment but is passed from death to life. So here we have this same theme. Jesus gets a little bit more specific with it and says that the Father was commit all judgment. Now notice Jesus judges. He doesn't condemns. He came to save. He doesn't condemn, but he judges. He judges by his own person. And whoever doesn't honor him doesn't honor the Father. You can't get to the Father except by him. So we look at this. How, how, how does all this happen? He became a curse for us. And, and his light and his life is the line of demarcation that all the world is, is, will be judged by. We can't read it today, but a, a wonderful Christmas passage, if you, if you want to think of it such as Philippians 2, where Paul says, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who thought it not robbery? Excuse. Who thought it not robbery? Is old King James for those of you with modern translations. Who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. And then it goes on to talk about his obedience, and he became obedient unto death. And when that little passage is over, and the and the thought changes, you get the word therefore. Okay. So you got this Jesus who who came to be a servant, and Jesus himself said he didn't came he didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister. That he came to give himself as a ransom for many. He came to die. The baby born in a manger. Why do I keep saying that? Born in a stable, came to die. And when you read Philippians 2 and it talks about how he humbled himself, then you get to this verse. It says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. Therefore is a word that's it's a, it's a connecting word and it means because of that. So because of that, his name is highly exalted. At the name of Jesus, what? Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is what? Lord. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. So how does he do this? He, do, he does this by becoming a curse. He becomes, he, he, he's, a, he's a servant. He gives himself. As we already looked, he's that priest that offers up his own his own blood, he becomes a line of demarcation for all of the world. All of the world will be will be judged according to him, and and he will do it. He'll say he'll say your name isn't in the book.
how. So, when, who, how. Next. You ready for next? Go to, uh, let me encourage you to turn to this. Turn to Titus. You know, it was in here earlier. I don't know where it... Sometimes I get irritated at, at Paul for writing such little letters. There we go. And no, I won't put those sticky things in there. I won't put those tabs. Sixty. How many of you have those? You got those tabs in your Bible. 66 of those things sticking out. It's like Velcro. I was doing really good. I don't know how I got off track. All right, so Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our Blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify to himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Look at that. What's next? What's next? He's coming back. This blessed hope that we have. And, and the, the context of this is how we're to live our lives now based upon the reality that this same Jesus, you know, isn't that amazing? They watched him go up, go back to this again, won't turn, take time to turn to it, but they watched him ascend into heaven and, and, and then the, the two angels appeared. I always get it kick out of this. I think it's so funny. The angels appeared and said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into the heavens? <laughs> I mean, what would you do? You'd either be standing there, you know, open mouth gaping, or you'd be running to hide behind a rock or something. And then it says, this same Jesus will return in like manner. And Jesus had given them their instructions and as a matter of fact, it, it appears that perhaps he was giving them those instructions as, as he was lifted away from them. Um, you have to kind of believe that he gave them enough. He is coming back. That is our blessed hope. Revelation chapter 5. So this little baby... And, and I, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This little baby is worthy. It says, and they sang a new song. Verse 9 of Revelation 5. 
Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language, people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And that theme is repeated. That's twice we've talked about a kingdom of priests. He's worthy because he has redeemed us. Revelation chapter 19. And we'll close with this. Verse 11, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war, and his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From its mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So they, they go to great detail to identify this conquering king, the one with many diadems, the one who has all of the crowns of all the world, the one whom Paul earlier said every knee will bow and tongue will confess that he is Lord. Here he comes and on his garment that's dipped in blood is written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The little baby born in a stable I won't say that phrase again since I got it right. Born in a stable, laid in a manger. It caused heaven to exalt. Caused angels to burst from their unseen realm to show themselves to shepherds. That caused the shepherds to marvel. Firstly to be feared and then to marvel. They heard there was good news. What was this good news? This good news is coming. And when the time was right, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. Born of the law. To be our redeemer. That folks is what Christmas is all about. It's not tinsel and trees and presents and eggnog and all the other stuff that we eat now that we know we shouldn't eat and don't the rest of the year. It's all about Jesus. Heavenly Father, this world's a crazy place. It seems to get crazier every day. We never know what the <laughs> we never know what the headlines are going to tell us. And in the long run, Lord, it doesn't matter. Because you're the King of Kings. Nothing can happen in the world, nothing can happen in our lives without your divine providence directing it. And we thank you for that confidence. We are so grateful that we can celebrate, Father, the birth of your Son. We are also so grateful that he's no longer a baby, 
born in a stable, lying in a manger. But he's a soon-to-be-coming, conquering king who will make all things right. I pray, Lord, if there's any hear me, either here or through this recording or whatever, that has not made peace with you and not realized that he came to die to pay the price for your sin for my sin for all sins they have not yielded their lowly wretched life I pray Lord if there's any listening who think their life is not wretched I pray you'd enlighten them and Give them wisdom to see that it is. Let there be peace on earth by being peace with you in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.